welcome to Brit David Podcast as Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled Dollar Decisions from 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 6 through 19. Many of the decisions we make in life, even on a daily basis, deal with money. And many of us are convinced that if we just had more money, that the decisions we'd have to make would be easier and that many of life's problems would just disappear. That's just not the case, though, is it? The Bible presents a different picture of money and gives us the proper perspective to make those dollar decisions. Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. All right, you can have a seat, and I probably need to give you a little extra time. I hear that some of you are having a hard time finding 2 Timothy chapter 6 today. It is difficult, isn't it? You feel like your Bible got shorted. Let me tell you how to find 2 Timothy chapter 6, all right? So turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and then turn backwards one page, and you're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If that's the only mistake I make, but boy, I made it, didn't I? It's in your notes, it's on the screens, it's everywhere. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is really where we're going to be. This month, we're talking about decisions, decisions, decisions. Last week, we talked about those rash decisions. Decisions are important, aren't they? I mean, even the prophet Joel talked about a place that was called the Valley of Decisions. I feel like we live there, don't we? Because there's so many decisions that have to be made. In fact, researchers have determined that the average person makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions every day. You didn't know you could make so many, did you? That with all of those decisions that we make, a, a big block of those are financial decisions, dollar decisions, we might call them. And when it comes to making those kinds of decisions, often those are the ones that bring us great stress that we struggle through and worry about. Those are the decisions that weigh heavily on us. Wouldn't you like to live a life that's free of financial worries? A life that is stress-free when it comes to making those kinds of decisions? Not, not, having, not having those kind of decisions to break you. We want peace, don't we, in that area. We want what the Bible refers to as contentment. The problem is, is that we don't know how to get there. We, we seem to live our lives on both sides of this fence. And yet Paul addresses that very issue in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. I hope that you're already there. You're about to discover, if you don't already know, that the world's answer to those financial decisions is far different than God's answer to those kinds of financial decisions. I want you to see what God has to say and several of these things that would help us to make better, wiser, more freeing dollar decisions. So let me give them to you. Number one, decisions that are based on promise. Decisions based on the promise of money are often ungodly decisions. Decisions that are just simply based on this promise of money. I want us to begin in verse number 6. 
And I want you to notice what this verse says. It's very short. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Well, that's something that I want. I want godliness. I want contentment. So, so boy, this, this really is my kind of verse. The only problem is, is that there's something else in that verse that my heart really wants too. Great gain. I want that part too. In fact, sometimes it's the great gain that outweighs the godliness with contentment. And here's one of the big problems. When I begin to pursue after great gain, it stirs up discontentment. Those two things just can't go together. It's this desire, this drive for more that fuels discontentment in my heart, which also leads me then to a lack of peace. I don't have the very things that I'm looking for. In fact, I sound more like what he's been talking about. Go back one verse. Go back to verse number 5. For verses 3 through 5, he's been talking about people who make worldly dollar decisions. And he says toward the end of verse number 5, they suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Now Paul's writing to Timothy who's about to pastor this church in Ephesus. And he says there are going to be some people that get when you get there, they think that godliness is the means to get to great gain. You can be content with that then. See, the problem is this. We think that if we, if we come to church, if we give, if we do these things that we're supposed to do, then God's going to just open up the windows of heaven. He's going to give us all these wealthy, worldly riches. That's not really what the Bible has to say about that. In fact, the problem is with this verse, notice what he says at the end of verse number 5. He says, from such people, withdraw yourselves. In other words, don't spend your time around those who make worldly decisions, especially those who make these worldly dollar decisions, because it is going to rub off on you. You're going to want godliness with contentment, but you're going to pay attention to the great gain. And the problem therein is not great gain. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. The problem is the shortcut. What does the Bible say is the path to gain? It's hard work. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 11 begins by saying, He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 23, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Paul knows that. He wants Timothy to know that. I want you to know that. I want to know and experience that. But the people who are in verses 3 through 5, they don't know that. They think that they can have great gain and that godliness is just a means to get to something else. They're hoping for a windfall. They're hoping for wealth without work. That's why gambling and the lottery especially is so popular. It brings the promise of great gain. It brings the promise of millions. In fact, remember a couple of years ago when it hit $2 billion? Even people, even people in church, and I'm not pointing you out, but he said, you know, some that would say, I'm never going to play that. Some of them are going, hey, $2 billion, 
I, I, can, I can play it for that. It's the promise of wealth that leads us to make poor decisions. Remember that verse I just gave to you, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 11? If you're reading from an NIV, I do like the way that the NIV translates that verse. Listen to this. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. It's chasing a fantasy. When you chase this promise of wealth without work, we've bought into the lie that money solves all problems. If I just had more money, it would take care of all of my problems. Do you think that you could get by maybe if you made the kind of money that Shohei Otani is going to make this year? Do you know who that is? Shohei Otani is arguably the best player in baseball right now. This year in the offseason, he signed a contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers for $700 million over 10 years. You think you could scrape by on that? Think about this for a moment. Over the next decade, all right, he's going to make $700 million. So for the next 520 weeks, he's going to make $1.35 million every week. I think I might get by. For the next 3,650 days, he makes $191,780 every day. For 87,600 hours, he makes $7,990.80. Don't forget the 80 cents, right? For the next 5,256,000 minutes, he'll make $133.18 every minute. For the next 315,360,000 seconds, oops, there goes one, he's going to make $2.21 every second for the next 10 years. He would earn $16,000 for sitting through a movie that you paid $50 to go see. While you are this afternoon impatiently waiting for that table to open up at your favorite restaurant, he's pocketing $4,000, you know. In fact, somebody said, what if, what if he came to church here? Well, think about this. He would earn about $34,000 on his flight from LAX to Atlanta, Another $14,000 to drive to Columbus, and another $8,000 while he's sitting in the worship service. About $56,000. Somebody needs to invite that guy to church. Before the offering, he needs to get here, right? You say, well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he didn't even speak English. He wouldn't even, he'd be bored. He wouldn't be too bored earning $13 every time he yawns, would he? Anyway. You say, well, if I had that much money, then this is what I'd do for church. If I had that much money, I wouldn't have any more problems whatsoever. Do you know who Elon Musk is? Elon Musk is now the wealthiest man in the world. He's reportedly worth $251.3 billion. So try this for some perspective. 
if Shohei Otani were able to maintain that contract that he just signed for the next 3,500 years, he wouldn't be as worth as much as Elon Musk is worth today. The answer to money issues, the answer for contentment, is not more money. It never has been and it never will be. The Bible says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who, nor he who loves abundance with increase. Solomon said, this also is vanity. So while some of you are still doing math... <laughs> The rest of us, let's look back at our passage. Look down to verse number 7. Contentment comes from living this godly life. He says, godliness with contentment. That's great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. We're not going to be content having more. The Bible says that you can learn to be content by having clothes and food. Those basic needs. If you've got that, then you really have what you need. So one of our problems is is that we've never learned to distinguish between needs and wants. We think that we need cable TV, or we need streaming services, we need a car, we need our own home, we need specific things. The reality is is that those things are wants. Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's contentment. Let me give you a definition. Contentment is that inner peace that you have regardless of outward circumstances. Contentment is an inner peace regardless of outward circumstances. It's not really about amount, is it? It's about learning to enjoy the things that God has given to you. The promise of money leads to some ungodly decisions. I don't want to make those. I want to make those that are godliness with contentment kinds of decisions. But let me give you number two. Number two, decisions that are based on the passion for money are unwise. Decisions that are based on the passion for money are unwise. And I use the word passion here because, look, verse number nine, Paul mentions those who desire to be rich. In verse number 10, he talks about the love of money. That love and desire is a passion, but because it's not pointed in the right direction, it's a lust, isn't it? It is a lust for financial gain, a financial lust, if you will. Like like Solomon talks for three straight chapters in Proverbs about the simpleton, who's driven by fleshly lust. Paul is talking in these passages here about those who are driven by financial lusts. So hold your place here. 
in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And let's go to the book of Proverbs. Let's see what it is that Solomon really does have to say. Proverbs chapter number 5 is going to be our first stopping point with this. Now, when we read this, you're going to know immediately. I mean, you're going to know immediately what it is that Solomon really is talking about. But I want you to imagine, as we read through these verses, that the woman that's described is the desired dollar, is that charming cash, that lurid loot that we're looking for. Proverbs chapter 5, let's begin right at the very beginning in verse number 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end... She is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path, her ways are unstable. You do not know them, therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed, and say, How I have hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. That can happen to us, can it? Not just when it comes to the immoral woman, but when it comes to the dollar that is so tempting, like a treasure. I said he says this in three straight chapters. So let's go to chapter 6. Go to chapter number 6 and look down, if you will. Let's start in verse number 20 with that. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep you from the immoral woman or the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor her allure, or let her allure you with her eyelids. For by the means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. If you think a woman can do that, a dollar can certainly do that. Let's go to chapter 7. Chapter 7, beginning in verse number 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot. 
and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows, so I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry-colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know that it would take his life. Listen, those are the very same ways that money treats us and that we treat money. It entices us. It allures us. It seduces us. And the very same things that will come of a man who follows after his fleshly passions will happen to the man who follows after his financial passions. Go back with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Notice what Paul says to Timothy will happen. He says in verse number 9, But those who desire to be rich, those who are making their decisions based on the passion for money. He says they desire to be rich. They fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil from which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. What at one time may for a man, because of his faith, led him on this journey toward godliness, has detoured him down a path of greediness. And those two do not live in the same worlds. You can't have both, can you? Jesus said it, you can't serve God and mammon. My decisions then need to be godly decisions, wise decisions, not these that he refers to as foolish and harmful in verse number 9. Decisions that are wise. Decisions that are useful. Pastor Tim would like to thank you for joining us here today on Brit David Podcast. And he wants to invite you to join us tomorrow as he continues his message from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 19, Dollar Decisions. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 
West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.